When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I am Charlie Burris, here as always with my co-host, A to Z Sports Writer Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. If you want to listen to that on the regular, go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed and subscribe there because then you won't miss an episode when we drop them on Mondays. Go to YouTube.com, type in A to Z Sports, and subscribe there, and you'll be able to watch the show. You'll also be able to see, if you're a Titans fan, and Lord knows I am, I'm wearing a Titans shirt right now, uh, their coverage of the Titans is unbelievable right now. I mean, just like an endless flow of incredible, insightful Titans coverage. Uh, So if you're a Titans fan, definitely go over there, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um. At A to Z Sports, at Charlie underscore Burst, at Zach TNT on the socials, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Natural, and A to Z Sports.com for all the stuff that we write on the internet. Another week closer to college football, Zach. Uh, you can smell it. It's so close. It, it actually, over the weekend, it, it felt like a, like a fall day. It was like 65 in the morning and 80 in the afternoon. It was amazing. Got me really in the football spirit, but something else that really got me in the football spirit is Tennessee scrimmaged. We got more uh, interviews with coaches. We're going to talk about it all in today's podcast. But Zach, what's up, man? Uh, just I'm I'm like you. I'm ready for football this weekend. Got me got me going. Anytime the humidity drops a little bit, it, it starts feeling like football outside, and then all the preseason NFL action. Oh yeah, uh, Tennessee. You know, scrimmaging this weekend just kind of getting ready to go kind of getting a clearer picture of what the season's going to look like it's a it's a really fun time of year and this year is kind of interesting because you got a lot of optimism surrounding Tennessee but it's not manufactured optimism at all it's based purely on what they did last season in Josh Heupel's first season coming away with the number seven storing offense in the nation there's a lot of reasons to feel optimistic and you know we've seen what they can do and you got to think they're going to build on it and that's i mean i can't imagine this is probably the most hyped i've been for a tennessee season since probably the 2016 season when i really felt like tennessee was going to take a big step forward or maybe going into 2020 before covid hit before we realized it was going to be kind of a rough season i, I know there's some different opinions on that but but i felt kind of positive coming off that indiana win that maybe maybe jeremy pruitt had went through the, the early bumps and figured it out so a lot of excitement hopefully this time it pays off just bringing up jeremy just throwing a, a wet blanket on the vibe <laughs> bringing up jeremy pruitt <laughs> No, it is exciting. Football. Hey, is- speaking of Jeremy Pruitt, real quick, because I, I don't, I'm sure we don't want to talk about this too long. Did you see how he spent his week last week? Yeah, he's playing in like a uh, 
casino tournament, right? It was like, a World Series of Poker event. It was like a really? sanctioned event, yes. Wow. In, uh, uh, Cher- those, like, in Cherokee. I don't know if this one was televised, but the results are all online that where you can go uh, look at all that. And, and in fact, I saw somebody from Barstool Sports, I think it was the first person I saw tweet like a photo of the back of Jeremy Pruitt's head. And I was like, well, that, you know, a 47-year-old bald white man that sitting there in a polo shirt, that could be anybody. That could literally be anybody. <laughs> Uh, but it turns out it was Jeremy Pruitt. His name is 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 on the uh, is on the website on the results. He finished twenty third, I believe, a couple thousand wow. dollars in winnings. Pretty pretty good showing for somebody that doesn't play poker professionally. Uh, kind of interesting. He's not coaching, so maybe that's his way of kind of dealing with not being around a football field this time of year. It's got to be the first time in in his whole adult life he has not been on a football field in August. So I guess maybe that's his coping mechanism. Maybe. And in fact, I would almost guess that is definitely what happened. But you you see a lot of the times with guys who are sort of that psycho personality like he is. I mean, we we heard all the stories about he, you know, he's just a overbearing, micromanaging, you know, that kind of guy. They're overly competitive guys. A lot of those guys get down like the gambling rabbit hole. You always heard that about like Michael Jordan. You know, he was, he just was like cutthroat and then he had like a gambling prop, maybe still does. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so maybe he's, he's just gone down, down that road. I, I can say, uh, I, I enjoy some sports betting myself. I'm very, I, I've gone to casinos and I'm so horrifically bad. It just, it pisses me off and I walk away from the table. I just like, I'm done losing money. Dang it. I've done the uh, online poker stuff a couple of times, and I, it's not for me. Not I'm not good at that. Not at all. Not even when people can't see my face to give it away. I I just I don't I don't get the strategy. So I'm not I'm not good at it. It's it's fun, but I suck. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, enjoy <laughs> yeah. it. But yeah, I, but I don't want to put any real money on it. Yeah, something that I'm not terrible at and is also fun. Well, sometimes I'm terrible at it is what I mentioned before, sports betting. And speaking of sports betting, before we get into the full show with the scrimmage and the DBs and everything, we got to mention our amazing sponsor, Superbook Sports. Good folks helping us out. Uh, football is back, and nobody is more excited than your friends at Superbook Sports. Superbook is bringing Vegas-style wagering to the palm of your hands, and now they will match 100% of your first bet up to $1,000, no matter if the bet wins or loses. It's a crazy offer. You don't have to be in Nashville or Knoxville to enjoy football this fall. Visit Superbook.com or download the Superbook Tennessee app right now and start getting in on all the action. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-889-9789. That is Superbook Sports, Superbook.com. And again, this is Tennessee's... uh, the in the Superbook app, this is the Tennessee Ball State game and what they have listed so far. They they don't have uh, all of the props for first half, second half, or anything up yet. We're not that close yet. That'll be an exciting day when we can get in uh, on those. But so far, Tennessee thirty two point favorite. Obviously, the week before that game, we'll sort of give our full breakdown. Uh, but just right off the top, thirty two point favorite on this one, Zach. We're so we're two weeks into fall practice so far. Are we covering 32 points against Ball State, you think? Are you taking – it's minus 110 on both sides. Is it a 32-point win for Tennessee? Yeah, I think think they cover. 
Uh, they won by 32 points last year against Bowling Green in the season opener with Joe Milton as the quarterback. So you got to think the offense is going to run even more effectively in week one this year. This team's kind of found its groove. So, yeah, I think uh, I think they're going to want to make a statement in week one. I think you're going to see them put up 50, 60 points against Ball State, and hopefully the defense hold, holds them down. Yeah, the defense is the is the catch there, I think, because I, I think you're you're going to score 50 points or something like that. Uh, but can the defense hold hold Ball State's lauded offense? I I'm not going to act like I know anything about Ball State's offense at the moment. We'll do that. Re- like I said, we're we're going to do that research in a couple weeks. But uh, yeah, the, can the defense? And we're going to talk. We're going to go a little in depth about uh, the defense today and kind of cover it. But I I'm like, I I should say before before uh, before we go too far before you go put your bets in with Superbook Sports. I'm not the best person for gambling advice. Uh, I'm not. I'm not that great at it. So go watch the A to Z Pitch Show. Yeah, Alan Bell and Brian Edwards do a tremendous job every week. Uh, follow A to Z Sports on social media, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and and you'll see those videos when, when they're coming out. I think they come out a lot of times around uh, maybe two Central Time on certain days whenever there's big games going on. So uh, they won't let you down. You follow their advice, and and you're going to be pretty successful. I am not lying when I say that those guys have made me money. They they give out uh, great picks, great advice, great analysis. So, yeah, go check them out on the A to Z Sports Network there. Um, but that is Superbook. Go download it, superbook.com. Download the app. Genuinely, I've, really, I've been using it uh, for, for a couple of weeks now. Great app. Great. I, I mean, I'm such – I've become a real stickler from – I've used all of the different apps – this is one of the best. I, I, and I'm not like, yeah, it is an ad for this, but I genuinely, the interface on this app in terms of usability, I really like it. I, I was uh, very happy with it so far in the couple of weeks that I've used it. So, superbook.com, go check it out. And then the A to Z Sports Pick Show and make a little money, you know? All right. Now let's talk scrimmage, Tennessee scrimmage number two. Obviously behind closed doors, so we didn't get to see it. Wish we could. Um, but such is life in covering college football. Nowadays, everything has to be secret, and we have to act like it's very, very important to keep all of this wrapped up. Um, and I guess to a certain extent, maybe it is. But word still got out. I, I always think this is funny. Everybody gives their their rundown of what happened in the scrimmage from sources. The sources tell us, that the scrimmage was good and the defense won the scrimmage. And that's, so that's what we're going off of is everybody. They had their source, whoever, if it's GAs, if it's the water boy, whoever is giving, if it's players, I don't know, giving out what happened at the scrimmage. And then Josh Heupel spoke about it and gave his take on what he thought. We're going to talk about that too, but the sort of rundown from the scrimmage, at least that I saw the defense did well. The offense was, not as good as the first scrimmage, but actually one thing that stuck out to me is that Joe Milton made some plays, uh, which is good to hear. So hopefully he's improved if per se, God forbid, Hinden Hooker goes down. Um, maybe he's improved some, but just on the whole, the the conventional wisdom from the sources was that the defense won the scrimmage. But uh, what did you hear in Zach? Well, the biggest thing to me is that is that Josh Heupel was so complimentary of the progress that the team made between the first scrimmage and the second scrimmage. And I feel like that's kind of, you know, 
season one to season two is when you make your biggest jump is kind of what they say or when you should make your biggest jump or when it's kind of the hardest jump to make. I feel like that's the same thing on a smaller level between scrimmages. You got the first scrimmage of the fall. This is the team you're going to approach, you know, enter the season with. And you got to, you know, that first scrimmage, you're going to see a lot of issues. You're going to see a lot of things you want to correct, a lot of things you don't like. And then the way that the team responds in the second scrimmage, I think, tells you a lot about what you're going to have this season, what kind of team you're going to have, how they respond to adversity, how they can correct themselves kind of on the fly. And Hypel was very complimentary of the way that Tennessee progressed from, from the first scrimmage to the second scrimmage. That, you know, it's something that maybe some people glossed over. I think that's important. Uh, because Jeremy Pruitt, Butch Jones, Derek Dooley, they lost games making the same mistakes over and over and over. It was beyond frustrating. Butch Jones, they they couldn't finish. They couldn't convert in the red zone. They had to settle for field goals. They couldn't put teams away. Jeremy Pruitt, we saw quarterback play is, is a major issue. We, shot, we saw defense that wasn't aligned at times, that there was miscommunications. They didn't really uh, – they weren't set up the right way at times. So you don't want to see, you know, mistakes happen and they will happen, but you got to learn from those mistakes and not let those same mistakes continue to happen. So we don't know how it's going to be under Josh Heupel yet. He's got a long way to go. It's only year two, but it kind of gives me hope that we're going to see some of those mistakes fixed. The stopping teams in third and short, third and long, converting on third and short on the offensive side of the ball. If they can fix those issues, which I do believe Josh Heupel is made a priority. He spoke a lot about those issues from the spring to the fall. If they can fix that, man, this team has a chance. Like they have a real chance to to maybe win ten games with a bowl with a bowl win in twenty twenty two. And that would, I mean, that would be massive. You haven't had a coach do that in so long. That would be the first. Just you've got so close with the nine wins under Butch and eight wins under Pruitt. That would be the first time it's like Tennessee fans can take a deep breath and relax. And be like, you know what? The, this program's going to be okay. They're going to get back because that's, you know, you got to get to 10 wins before you can get to 12 or 13 or have a chance at a championship. And that's ultimately what Tennessee wants to do. So, yeah, it's just the second scrimmage. That might be a lot to extrapolate from, from one, from one scrimmage, but that was kind of my takeaway. Maybe that's, maybe that's just getting close to the season and feeling a little too positive, but. I think there's a lot of a lot of things to like about what Josh Heupel said on Sunday. Yeah, improvement is the whole game this offseason. And hear that is good. Um, I mean, we emphasized last week when we talked about the defensive line, just with the defense, it is it's gonna come down to depth, it's gonna come down to development of players that we don't we haven't seen real action from yet. And this is where you get those guys set. Obviously, they can get said when the games actually come. And I'm glad that Tennessee has a buffer game to start. You don't just have to throw these guys with uh, with not that much uh, uh, experience under the belt into a big you know, non-conference game or something right off the bat. Obviously, week two against Pittsburgh, it's coming up quick. Make no mistake. But at least you do have a, a real first game to, to start with. But this scrimmage, this is where you want to get that, that development in. And it sounds like... It's coming around. You certainly hope so. But you just, there's only so much that you can take when you didn't see what happened. I mean, some of the notes uh, that I saw, let's see, uh, Elijah Simmons, Kamal Haddon, we're still, I believe, sitting out. Uh, and then Jalen Wright is kind of under caution because he had a, a little quad tweak. 
So there was there were some things like that in this scrimmage. You know, I, it seems like the way they're talking about it, everybody's going to be good for for the first uh, game. But when you talk about defense, I mean, in Elijah Simmons, huge depth piece for the defensive line. Kamal Haddon, a huge depth or starter piece for the defensive backs. We're not really sure yet. Um, and, you know, it's stuff stuff like that is is going to matter a lot. And if they're having to sit out fall camp, you're missing out on development and good coaching and good reps. But, um, you know, you just you have to just take it to what it is. We didn't see all that happened, and here we are. So just got to take Heupel at his word. When you're talking about Kamal Hayden there and possibly being a death piece or more, I think that brings up a really interesting conversation about the defensive backs and really the defense in general. And some comments that Willie Martinez made uh, this weekend or on Friday whenever he spoke to the media really seems like this team, they don't like when everything's perfect, this this team's been around programs, been around three or four years under Josh Heupel and this staff. They've kind of settled in. I think their ideal setup is to not necessarily have starters in the secondary. I mean, you're going to have guys you lean on, of course, but they want that second-string guy, maybe even third-string guy, to be able to step right in and play, and they want to use those guys really just to keep 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 everybody fresh. Uh, you, you don't want any drop-off going from that first string to second string, and that's that's important for any team, obviously, because of injuries. But for Tennessee, the way that they have to play defense be- – because of the up-tempo offense where they're on the field so much more often, they need they need breathers if they're going to be fresh late in the game. So you want to be able to bring in your second string secondary early in the game to be able to keep those guys fresh. And so I think recruiting uh, depth is going to be even more important on the defensive side of the ball. And it's a kind of a strange situation for Tennessee to be in. They're known for the offense, but they really need to hit on defensive guys for depth reasons. For for the, they could they could get by with fewer wide receivers than defensive backs, really, in, in my opinion. So I think it's just that that's the ideal way that this defense can work. If you can achieve that, if you can get that depth, then then it really negates the biggest issue that the defense has, which is being on the field too much, because you've got fresh bodies to come in and and keep guys fresh and 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 not have to worry about them hitting that wall late in the fourth quarter which is kind of when they lost games last season. Obviously, that's a hard thing to do, but that's you know that's the objective from the staff. Yeah, just in games, you could see it so quickly fall off when it got into those late moments where you're really straining, gutting it out. Just the depth was not there and brutally not there, right? You know, it was extreme. They were extremely shorthanded. And yeah, so let, let's do cover the, the defensive backs you've already started there martinez spoke and and kind of gave his take on everything and i think the the thing that i'm hoping for out of the defensive backs and as far as depth goes i mean i think that's that's the whole thing you saw you saw it in that ball game it was just oof like they had you you lost taylor and just you know the biggest piece of your defensive backs was out for that game just prepping for the nfl and uh thankfully ultimately he was drafted and good for him so it seems like it paid off on his end but who oh boy those those guys got roasted against purdue and you just the drop off from one line to the next on that on the set of defensive backs was just bad i, I mean they, how, how else do you say it? tennessee's past defense last year was bad 
let's not pull punches. You can you can try to talk around and be like, well, they played a lot of snaps and they bit a bit. Even if they didn't play a lot of snaps, they just weren't very good. And and it just it was it was really rough. Um, and so you kind of go, well, maybe the only place to go is up from here. And I think that is probably true. You lost a very very vital leader in Alante Taylor. You lost a really solid player in Theo Jackson. You lost a nice player in Kenneth George, and that's tough, but you're also gaining. And I think this is where I, I think Hypo and banks are really hoping um, things improve. You got some transfers. You got, uh, is it uh, Wes Walker? I keep thinking Wes Welker, uh, Wes Walker jr. I think uh, is his full name. Uh, Andre Turrentine, Turrentine, uh, however that might be pronounced. And then you got some, some freshmen coming in too. And, you got to be just praying to God that those guys can come through. I think Walker's the guy that you look to because he has the most experience. Turn time, coming from Ohio State, maybe he has the highest ceiling. He was a four-star player and went to Ohio State, recruited by Ohio State. So you got to think, I mean, that there's some serious talent there, but he doesn't have the experience uh, of of Walker coming from Georgia Tech. So do, do you think that that could uh, end up paying off for Tennessee so far? And and what did Martinez have to say about those guys? Well, it's certainly not going to uh, not going to hurt Tennessee. Just like you said, there's really nowhere else to go but up. Um, you know, they're, Martinez likes those guys. He likes their athleticism. I think that's why Tennessee brought them in specifically. It wasn't so much that, you know, where they went or, or this or that. It's because they saw they liked their athletic profile. They thought they fit well in the defense. Um Obviously, like you said, Walker's got more experience, so he's probably more comfortable in the defense, which is something Martinez alluded to on Friday when he spoke to the media. And he also talked about how competitive they are. And that's something else that Josh Heupel has really made a priority uh, in his quarterback and really his entire roster is just that competitive nature. Because obviously in the SEC, you need four- and five-star guys to succeed, but you also need guys that want to win. And sometimes that might be a that might mean a three star is a better option than a four star, and that's not to to make an excuse for Tennessee missing on a four star player or a five star player and finding a, a hidden gem. You still got to land those talented guys. So nobody nobody's making excuses for for Josh Heupel in that in that regard. But sometimes those are your best guys. Look at Cam Sutton was a three star guy. Emmanuel yeah. Mosley was like a two star borderline three star guy, but they were very competitive. And they came to Tennessee, made the most of their opportunity, and now they're both in the NFL. So those are the type of guys that Tennessee is looking for. And it seems like they they found them in Walker and Turntine. And we'll see, you know, how they they still got to do it on the field. You know, they can have a good fall camp. We can like their athleticism. We can like their competitiveness. But ultimately, it, all that matters is what happens on Saturday. So I feel better about the depth. Josh Heupel commented about how he feels better about the depth in the secondary and at linebacker. Uh, on Sunday when he spoke to the media. But again, it doesn't really matter until September hits and we see what they can do. It's encouraging, but they, they start to do it. So I don't know. They got to prove it. I, I like it. I like where they went. I like the way that they built it. It's going to take, it's not going to be rebuilt overnight and suddenly not an issue. You know, last year they gave up the 283 passing yards a game. There was only, there was only six programs worse than Tennessee, or they gave up more yards per game than Tennessee. 
And only two, three of those schools were Power Five schools: Georgia Tech, Duke, and Michigan State, which is kind of surprising. You they got Mel Tucker down there, who's supposed to be kind of like a, a defensive guru. But is it a bad I mean, sign that one of the teams that was worse is where one of the transfers came from? Pr- probably not a great <laughs> sign, but again, you know, it depends on how you're used in the system. So it's true. It's true. I, I mean, how many, how many, how many talented players has Tennessee squandered over the years uh, that that ended up in the NFL when they barely did anything at Tennessee? So you got to trust that Tim Banks and Willie Martinez are going to put these guys in the best positions to succeed. You would certainly hope so. I mean, walk, walk around some some nice games. Ten tackles against Duke. Seven tackles against Virginia. Uh, you know, he's, he's played, uh, before forced a fumble against, uh, Northern Illinois and Miami. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's got, uh, got good experience, but, and other guys that you look at like a, a Brandon Turnage who came in and put up like a monster game against South Carolina last year, totally flashed. Um, and then, I mean, he, he ended up only playing in four games total so you haven't seen outside of just that one you know game where he went off haven't seen much from him but a guy like that like what what if he becomes prolific he was a transfer from alabama you know and and so it's like a a guy where you go okay well he had the talent that they they wanted and it get kind of like turn time like maybe he can be that dude and so hopefully he's gonna be pieces turn is gonna be an important player uh, for Tennessee, regardless of what he does on the field, because he's kind of been somebody that they've identified as a leader, somebody that's coaching up the other players on the sidelines, which is really what you need. Uh, that that takes your defense to another level when you're when you're kind of self coaching. And Turnage is a guy like I, I tweeted about it this week. I think I think he's going to be a secondary coach in the SEC one day. He just he knows what everybody's supposed to do. If he's on the field, he can help direct traffic or line everybody up get people where they need to be make the adjustments he can be that Alante taylor type guy as long as his skills allow him to stay on the field i hope so i and i mean in terms of being a defensive back just the smarts and being in the right place at the right time is so huge i always said that about todd kelly todd kelly jr he wasn't the most athletic dude flying all over the field he was a little oversized for the position you know blah 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 but he was so often in the right place at the right time. You look at that, he had a great game against Florida where when Tennessee beat Florida, had that huge interception. Like, you're just in the right place at the right time, especially, I mean, with an interception. You can read a quarterback's eyes. If you can uh, make make the right moves when playing uh, against a, a receiver, like, it's, it's the whole thing. If you can essentially kind of outsmart your competition – it can be huge. So there's there's value to that too, even if you're not the most athletic guy. And it seems like turnage, um, it's certainly there. And so hopefully, yeah, you got to find those kind of what we talked about that with the defensive line. You got to find those leaders. You got to find the guys that are going to step up, that are going to be the the replacement for the guys that you lost. Hopefully, he can be one. Uh, and and there's plenty of other options, but there's just so much. Unknown. I mean, I I looked at this. Let me see if I can get the list up. Where it was starters that were returning, a cinch more or less, because um, they they had a they cycled through a pretty good amount of guys last season. But you have Trevon Flowers, Trey Flowers, Jalen McCullough, and Warren Burrell, which are good pieces. Uh, and then just everybody else is just like didn't play that much. 
was injured. It had, you know, all, all these guys where you just don't know exactly what they might do. Uh, I mean, a, a guy that has been talked up uh, a lot in this, uh, this fall practice has been Christian Charles and um, you know, maybe somebody like that, that can just, come up and, and be that dude. But outside, I, I want to give analysis where it's like, yeah, you can look to that guy. He's going to be the pillar that you lean on. I mean, uh, outside of Trey Flowers, who who do we truly know? Uh, Burrell has, has shown, you know, he he can be good at times, but really. Deshaun Rucker is somebody that's kind of surprisingly having a pretty, pretty solid camp too. Not somebody that you yeah. really thought was going to be a factor this year, but could, could end up playing a decent role. Maybe, but out, outside, we just have to, Unfortunately, with this set of players, it's not like on the offense. We just kind of have to speculate. Mm-hmm. Just go like, maybe it's going to be this guy. Maybe it's going to be that guy. Yeah, and and just give you whatever we can give you from what people have seen at camp, and that's that's really the the bulk of it. And so, I there's I, two there's two things. It's like you you can feel pretty optimistic because oh, it's like a complete overhaul almost, right? Like you just mentioned, you only got three guys really coming back that played significant snaps. So maybe a, a complete overhaul will change this entire unit. At the same time, you had two NFL guys in that secondary last year, and they still didn't play very well. What's it going to be like without them? So, it, you know, it could go either way. It's 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 tough. When I said that. You look back at that Purdue game, it was rough. Uh, but there are definitely more pieces and, and Alante yeah. didn't play in that game. Yeah. And did Theo Jackson play in that game? I can't remember if he did oh. or not. I can't remember if he skipped or not. But obviously, even yeah. even if he did, you you see the impact that not having Alante Taylor made in that game. And that, I mean, man, why'd you have to bring that up? That kind of concerns me now. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, It's just the reality of the situation. I don't mean to be a, a wet blanket, but just with this defense, I, I said it weeks past. I wish we could get Tim Banks like candid. Just be like, how are you really feeling? Like how, when you look at this set of players, you've seen good. You know, he came from Penn State. He's seen some guys, has has a good history coaching. How are you really feeling with this set? Because it's really hard. It's so hard to gauge right now. We talked with the defensive line last week, tons of unknowns. We talked with the defensive backs this week, tons of unknowns. The linebackers, you got some, you got some good pieces up there, but like your your depth pieces, you know, Juwan Mitchell. Who knows how that guy's gonna play? I don't know. Like, and that's kind of what you're relying on. And really, just my hope is is that it it you just end the season having conversations like, wow, what a star making surprise performance out of that guy. What a great turn that he had. What an improvement he made. And that's that's the big talking points that we have at the season. That's what you just kind of have to hope for. Not to be, I'm enthusiastic about the season, and I think Tennessee has the potential to be top 25, top 15, maybe even top 10 team in America this year, uh, depending on how things develop and how guys have improved. But I think they also have the potential to to have another rough year on defense. Uh, that just is the case. The offense, I think you're you're pretty set unless you have some injuries. But the defense. We shall see. Uh, I wish I could give a different take, but that's the way that things. That's it. That's the way that it is. <laughs> so, uh, but any any further uh, thoughts on on what Martinez said or anything with the defensive backs this year? 
Well, I don't think the defense is going to be like a complete disaster or anything. I think I think you're going to have no. a, a year a lot like last year where the stats don't necessarily tell the whole story. At the same time, there will be some struggles. There will be they'll get burnt on some plays where they shouldn't get burnt, and we'll probably see some frustrating third and third and short situations or third and medium situations where the defense converts and it's just completely frustrating for Tennessee fans. But hopefully you see less of that and you just see things move in the right direction. I never expect this defense to be lights out top 10. If they can just be like top 50, I think this team wins 10 games. I agree. And I think it's completely possible. Um, but it's just it's going to take great coaching from Banks, from Martinez, from everybody on the defensive staff. Uh, and it's going to take really these guys are just having a chip on their shoulder. Seems like some of them definitely do, uh, and that's good. But just putting in the work, not getting discouraged when things don't go well. And I think, unfortunately, with the setup of this defense, it's kind of prone to that. Maybe just because you have to play so many snaps, and you're just and you're still lacking some depth, no matter how you slice it. And you're just going to run into some points in games where you just can't handle the opponent that you're facing. And fighting through that and getting better through that rather than, you know, going, well, screw it. This sucks. And just kind of throwing in the towel. It's that. And that's got, and that's where the coaching comes in. I mean, that's where Tim Banks and, and his crew have to come and say, hey, we're going to get better and not get bogged down in this. Um, so, you know, there's there's that for for the most part with the defensive backs. It is. uh Hopefully the guys that are supposed to be uh, good senior leaders are, and then thoughts of improvement with the pieces around. I think that's kind of the, the thousand foot view improvement, improvement, improvement. That's the name of the game for Tennessee this off season. Um, but uh, going from there, Zach, you had finally some more recruiting news. It's been pretty quiet in, uh, in the last few weeks, but Tennessee had a commitment uh, and uh, you you saw this, Zach. What uh, what is Tennessee getting a, a kid that Georgia wanted supposedly? And uh, Tennessee was able to snag Ricky Gibson the third. I want to make sure I got the the name right there. Um, what's what's his deal? Well, he's from Alabama, and so anytime you get a decent recruit from Alabama, it feels nice. And then if you get them over Georgia it's even better. It shows that you want a, a battle against, against the, the, you know, top team in the country, the defending national champions. Um, he's a, he's only a three star, but Auburn offered him Arkansas, obviously Georgia, a lot of other sec schools. We see this from time to time where, okay, this guy's not super highly rated, but some pretty impressive programs are looking at him. I guess the recruiting service probably missed on him. I don't know what will happen since he went to Tennessee, but I'm I'm betting if he would have committed to Georgia that this guy would be a four-star relatively quickly. And that isn't really a shot at Tennessee, I don't think. I know a lot of people make it out to be that way, but it really just – when you're Georgia-Alabama, you, you recruit a player and they commit, suddenly the evaluators are like, okay, what did we miss? Because they only take guys that are extremely talented – that must be a four-star player. And I don't know for a fact that that's how the, the thought process goes, but I can imagine it probably is. I mean, Nick Saban, probably the best talent evaluator out there when it comes to a defensive back. Kirby Smart's 
probably going to be number two. So if they wanted this guy, uh, and we know Kirby did, he probably is better than than the rating that you're seeing. So that's that's a huge win for Tennessee. It's not going to hurt Georgia. Uh, I don't want to make too big of a deal of that. They'll go get another guy that's probably just as talented and to fill that spot. So it's not the end of the world for for Georgia. And I, I I'm not trying to make it out like that, but the guy picked Tennessee over Georgia. That that I think that says a lot for what Josh Heupel was building and what they're selling on the on the recruiting trail. And it's a, obviously a huge position of need for Tennessee. And, and over Arkansas. I mean, don't discount that Arkansas a program that's in a very similar position to Tennessee, just kind of on the come up, mm-hmm. trying to rebuild uh, from from the ground up. And so, yeah, it's that at a minimum is is nice to see. He's the number forty three cornerback uh, nationally, the number four hundred and sixty two player overall, the number twenty four player from the state of Alabama uh, from the two four seven composite. Um, but yeah, just uh, this, I mean, I saw people commenting again and we've had this conversation already, but just the whole Tennessee's becoming three star you again, so many three stars, blah, 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 blah. And I, I hate to make any excuses over this. You have to come to Tennessee where they are right now. The NIL is cooking. They do a really, really good job. All the the collectives and everybody is they're doing their best. But at the end of the day, you can only offer a kid so much money before they go, well, what am I gonna, you know, what are what are my chances of winning a national championship at Tennessee? And what am I what are my chances of playing for a truly elite program before I'm I'm out? And Tennessee right now, you can say, oh, we used to be truly elite. But, you know, we've seen from the last three coaches that in no way is that a guarantee that it's going to come back around with the guys that the Tennessee has hired. I think Heupel is the best chance out of any of the coaches that Tennessee has had in the recent past for sure to get Tennessee back. Uh, I think we're seeing plenty of evidence of that. But uh, you just uh, you get guys that hopefully are those under the radar dudes. And that's I I like when I see that, but I also you kind of go like, man, we got to These guys got to come in and they got to develop into being these dudes so that we can get dudes that are better than them. Is that bad to say, but it's the truth. It is the truth. Like you, the, the tough thing is right now, the reality is Tennessee has to recruit who they have to recruit. And that is three and four star players. And then the occasional five star. And you get those guys to eventually get to stacking the cupboard like Georgia does. Those guys come in, you win nine, 10 games, and then people go like, okay, well, Tennessee's actually going to compete for an SEC championship. I'm going to go there over Georgia. I'm going to go there over Alabama. I'm going to go there over Clemson. And that's that's how it has to be. And so I, as much as I, I have a hard time fighting against that, oh, it's three-star you, it's three-star you. I hate that. Don't say that. It's not three-star you. That's not the reality. The reality is just where Tennessee is right now. Tennessee does sell itself. It's the the city and the school are amazing and they, they are attractive to recruits, but it is what it is with Tennessee's football program at the moment. Uh, and so that's, that's why I see a player like this and you just go, hopefully he's undervalued. Like you said, maybe if he had committed to Georgia, suddenly those recruiting services go, well, maybe he's actually a, a four star. I don't know. We're not really sure. Uh, and that's, 
just kind of my general take when when I see this. And it's as we've already been talking about, it's good to get more depth on uh, on that defensive back uh, position. So there's there's sort of my full view of it at the moment. Yeah, I'm like you when it comes to the three star U stuff. Yeah. What it's is Josh Heupel? What is Josh Heupel supposed to do? Okay. Yeah. His first class. All you can do is tell the kids what you're planning to do at Tennessee. That's all you can do. And you can have all these big plans and, and point to maybe what you did at UCF, but they haven't seen you do anything at Tennessee. And they hear that same pitch from every new coach uh, that's hired. There's only, you can't be that creative with it. I mean, what do you like, – you can't look at a kid and be like, no, you trust me, I'm different than those guys. Like, that. Hey, you're the same to those kids. So then you you go and you exceed expectations in year one. You go seven and six. Obviously, you wish you could win eight and five. Bowl game didn't go your way. Ole Miss game, game didn't go your way. But you still – I mean, there's predictions out there. Mike Farrell that used to be with Rivals.com, national recruiting guy, predicted Tennessee to go four and eight last year. So, I mean, they exceeded those expectations, blew past them. Best first year for a Tennessee head coach since Lane Kiffin. Not much more that Josh Heupel could have done. Number seven scoring offense in the nation. So from here, you know, you still are competing against Georgia and Alabama and, and all these other programs that have had sustained sustained success. What are you supposed to tell the kid? Like, I'm going to, we're going to, you know, win 10 games this year. We're going to, you're going to see this major progress. We, they still have to see it. So, yeah, you're right. It's like a, it, it, it's building blocks and you're building up to that. It's not going to happen overnight, and I don't know what people think that Josh Heupel should do. Uh, like you said, there's only so much money you can hand out, and ultimately that's something that Josh Heupel doesn't really have control over. He's not controlling the collective or what kind of deals are, are being handed out to recruits. He can't he can't broker those deals. For one, he doesn't have the time <laughs> to be brokering deals. That's a very time time consuming thing, uh, and he legally he can't uh, broker those deals. So I don't know what you want Heupel to do aside from what he's doing. They got the number 12 class in the nation, which is pretty remarkable for a team that was at, at past rock bottom two years ago. There is just no way to like fast forward time. Like that's what it would take. Can you get a time machine and go forward? And Tennessee's had 10 win seasons. And then well, like Bush, you Bush go from there. Take, like there's Butch tried to take the shortcuts and he lied to kids and he made promises yeah. he couldn't keep. And it, it got Tennessee a lot of talent in 2015 and 2016, a lot of talent that's still in the NFL now star players in the NFL, some of them. But you saw what happened after that. It crumbled. You can only keep up that charade for so long if you don't deliver on those promises and word gets around. And that as quick as he landed that talent, it went straight the opposite direction and crashed and burned. So there, there are no shortcuts. If you want to sustain it, you have to do it the right way. Absolutely. And so I'm – it sounds like a cop-out. I am more in, encouraged – by a number 12 class from Hypo, the way that he's doing it, than I would have ever been with a, what was Butch's best class? Number four, I think. I don't know if he ever got top three. I think he had the number four class in like 2015. Um, I'm And first of all, like Butch got that by like numbers. He had like a class of 32 guys or something. And that's how they got that position. Had a, had a couple five stars in that class and guys that some of them ended up really panning out. 
uh, well, but you know, he kind of fudged the numbers a little bit. And, and I think Hypel is much more doing it the right way, so to speak, and still getting four stars and still getting five stars. I mean, you have the number four overall player in America in your recruiting class. So it's not like he's whiffing completely on, on great talent. You know, it just is uh, kind of like with the defense. It's the reality of the situation. And so I, I like this pickup. Um, and, and even if people want to, to crap on it or whatever, or just not, not crap on it, but just be kind of discouraging. You can do that if you really want to, but I don't see the purpose in that. What's, what's the point? It's, it's like right now, just being down on, on Tennessee, like, why? Why would I do that? Nothing has shown me that I need to do that, that I want to do that. I, I just go, yeah, I don't, this could take a turn south. Sure. Um, couldn't, any anybody can fail. Nick Saban had a six, didn't he have a seven and six season in Alabama once? You know, it can happen to anybody. But what's the point in, like, speculating about that when things are right now overall going very well uh, for Tennessee? Yeah, and one one reason to feel pretty optimistic about the, the defense and the team in general is, and this was kind of one of those intangible things, is just how close this team has become. This team has team goals. Obviously, they have personal yeah. goals. These guys, when you get to the NFL, they, they want to have a career after Tennessee. They want to make the most of themselves. I get that. But they also have team goals, and you've heard that kind of come through in some of the interviews we've heard. I heard a, a defensive lineman, I can't remember which one, uh, talking – a couple of weeks ago or last week about how they want to get more of a pass rush without having the blitz. That way the secondary can do their job and not have to pick up their slack because they can't affect the quarterback and get after them and make the quarterback uncomfortable. So they've made that their focus, not just for themselves, but to make their teammates jobs easier. And so they can be more efficient in their jobs. So you got this team that's really trying to look after each other help each other out, have each other's backs. And that's, you know, it, that's something that just wasn't there before. I mean, it's obviously that's what the team told Josh Heupel that they were missing whenever he was hired and he made it a priority. He's continued to make it a priority. Tennessee publicizes it quite a bit, but there's also stuff that they don't necessarily publicize that you hear about where these team get togethers and things that their position groups are doing together. So I think that's going to be, uh, Obviously, you still have to execute. You still have to have a good game plan. But when you got guys on the field that truly care about each other and don't want to let each other down and they're holding each other accountable, I think it, it sets your team up for success in, in a way that, that we haven't seen the last couple of seasons at Tennessee. Having been a very close-up observer of the end of the Butch Jones era and and when it was going well, I mean, I, I was a reporter uh, during that 2016 season you know when it was as good as it was ever going to get for butch all the way through the the whole downfall i mean i was in in the facility seeing some of those interactions with players and kind of the general feeling of everything i mean it just got so toxic at the end where and just butch was paranoid and just terrible vibes i guess i hate i hate that word but it would that's how it really was i mean were the vibes were the the vibes off no they were off boy (laughs) those vibes were off uh i mean it it was just terrible like just everything nobody's seemed like they were having fun and yeah you i I know the the real traditional like football guys you you go like ah i'm not here to have fun 
Mira win football games. Well, sure. Okay. <laughs> we had no fun the three years before Typo. How did that exactly? Go? <laughs> yeah, Pru wasn't having any fun. Look how that turned out. Zero so, fun. You know, uh, yeah, you can say that, and it's a nice anecdote. But the reality is, there is something very real and very good about having high morale in your building when it comes to running a football team. And Hypel has that right now. And I think it's awesome. Yeah. You can tell from like the videos that they put out, there was the one uh, over the weekend where they were doing like the big man punt return challenge where they were having, having linemen catch. punts. Yes. And it was uh, like, if, if they caught, if I think it was Elijah Simmons, if he yeah. caught the punt, they got the night off and yeah. Uh, he caught the punt and that's awesome. The, the team erupted. I mean, yeah, it was a cool moment. It was very cool. Yeah. Stuff like that where you can just tell like people are happy. I, I think I, I'm, I'm a, you know, I got a business degree. Look, I'm a dork. Okay. But just like you look at corporate cultures and the companies that give leeway and are kind to their employees, get better work out of those employees. Yeah. You can say, Oh, well, it's the, the wussification of blah, blah, blah. Yeah, th- there's there's validity to that, to like the over wussification of things. Absolutely. Not everybody deserves a trophy. But also, keeping people in your organization happy can go a long, long way. Um, and not everybody is Nick Saban where you have a bunch of national championship trophies on the wall to point at and be like, hey, if you don't listen to me, you're not going to get one of those. Well, hot Josh Hypo can't say that, okay? And so... Having having that great culture that it seems like he has is is just huge. I I can't like I said from from having the experience that I had seeing up close Pruitt, seeing up close Butch, it's just nine day from the things that you see <laughs> with Eiffel right now. I mean, it just is a different animal altogether. So um, that is good. And let's uh, let's finish with this on a fun uh, side note. This was a, a cool thing, and I I wanted to download these videos, but I couldn't couldn't get it figured out and i didn't do a a screen record like i could have just because it's kind of annoying and takes a while but uh this was a headline nico el maliava tennessee five-star qb commit who we've already mentioned turns an impressive performance in hawaii uh his <laughs> the team uh won their game against uh, i think king kamehameha high school 50 50- to zero in the first half alone, he put up 210 yards and two touchdowns through the air. On three, was tweeting about this and tweeted out some videos uh, of him just just torching these these poor kids in Hawaii. Um, and it's it's pretty stark how much better he is than the talent that he is facing. Uh, so you do have to take that into account, but it's just more more of a fun look into hopefully the future for Tennessee football. But did you see this Zach? Yeah. And I, I thought about kind of what you said there about the, uh, the competition and that is something you have to take into account. I mean, we kind of, I don't know if we did it on this podcast or not, but I know we've done it. Twitter. I've done it. Talked about Arch Manning and the competition that he's faced and how it's not that great. And, uh, with Nico, that I mean, that's going to happen at the high school level. Obviously, competition is going to be a lot more watered down. There's not that many D1 players on each high school team. You don't typically have uh, a team just full of D1 players unless it's like a IMG Academy or something like that. But at the same time, he looks like how you're supposed to look whenever whenever you play against lesser talent. When you see those guys, there's supposed to be no doubt who the five star is on the field. 
And I've watched high school players before uh, that were four and five star players. I've been to their games and watched them and thought, okay, that guy doesn't really, he's big, he's bigger than everybody, but he doesn't stand out like the way I, I think a four star should. I remember specifically Jalen Dalton, uh, that, that Tennessee was recruiting, he ended up going to UNC. I think he, he had a little, uh, time in the NFL and like a practice squad. I remember watching that guy in high school and he's bigger than everybody on the field, but he just didn't dominate the way that you would expect. So it might be lesser competition, but if you, if you, if the guy looks good and he looks like he's better than everybody else, that's what you want to see. So I think there's plenty to glean from that. And it's definitely a, just more reason to be excited about Nico when he gets to Tennessee, which will not be long from now. He'll be there in uh, about what, five months whenever he graduates high school. Yeah, it is right around the corner. Um, and it's exciting. Yeah. He, he looks the way he's supposed to look. I think that's, that's the bottom line there, but he had, I want to, let me see if I can, I, I don't know. This is a little risky. If I share my screen, people might see all the crazy stuff that I have open to all of these Tennessee football articles. Um, <laughs> if I can, uh, I don't, mm, oh no, I, I have to like, do my preferences on my computer and uh, mm. have to change it. Yeah, whatever. But I, there it's is a, there. a video. Yeah. It's, it's there. You look for, let's see at Porter Warner seven. He tweeted out the video that I'm referring to. Uh, just is that some, like a country music singer from 1965. <laughs> I believe uh, Porter Wagner. Is oh, no. <laughs> so be Porter Warner, uh, the Porter <laughs> Wagner of, of recruiting people yeah (laughs) um but he it's porter warner seven he tweeted out some of the the videos of nico and they're they're some really solid throws particularly one that's like a a deep ball that he threw he just drops a dime right to his receiver so i and that's the stuff like it doesn't really matter the competition you're facing when you're talking like a deep ball when you just you hit the guy right on the money like that's yeah, he could be facing lesser competition, but you still hit the guy right on the money, no matter what competition he's facing. So, um, I I love seeing that, but just a fun tidbit to throw in at uh, at the end of the show. But Zach, any uh, anything else for the good folks at home before we bounce out for another week? We're God, we're so close. The preseason games in the NFL have watched like four of them now because <laughs> it just it's the only way to scratch that itch at the moment. Um, but uh, what is it? A, a week? Is it a week from this Saturday or is it? Uh, no. Yeah. It would be a week from this Saturday. Mm-hmm. College football. The Vanderbilt game that is the most anticipated game of August. <laughs> the, the biggest game of August. Vanderbilt at Hawaii. Um, go, let's go rainbow warriors. I believe is their is their name We're, we'll all be rooting for you with America's for you. Rainbow warriors. Let's how do go. you, uh, how do you, how do you, uh, how do you feel about second year in a row? First game being on a Thursday night for Tennessee. Do you like that? Or do you hate that? It's not on a Saturday. It allows you to kind of like watch other games on Saturday, whatever else is going on around the country. Cause we know as well as anybody, uh, we've missed quite a few big games. Uh, that were being played at the same time as Tennessee, because obviously we're going to watch the Tennessee game. So this kind of eliminates that. I'm not sure. I can't remember off the top of my head who's playing in week one. I think Alabama's playing a big non-conference game. Yeah. Uh, but how do, how do you feel about that? Do you like it or, or dislike it? 
So I feel like I have, I personally have a skewed view of it because I have to work for the games. I do, I do my show with Jonathan yeah. Crompton. We do the game day, uh, big orange game day reaction show uh, with me and Jonathan Crompton. Tune in a to z sports.com. Um, but so, so I think about it like, yeah, I don't have to do diddly squat on that Saturday. I can just chill out and watch college football. I don't have to worry about getting all of this set up and doing everything, you know, getting my notes prepared, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I, I personally, I like the Thursday night game because it, it gives you a national platform. You're going to steamroll ball state. They better steamroll ball state. Um, and and so you just you kind of get the show off on a Thursday night. Everybody's going to be tuning in because it's mm-hmm. that first week and everybody's going to be excited to see an SEC football game, a real SEC football game that doesn't involve Vanderbilt. And it's uh, I I like that. I know the purists would kind of go like college football is meant for Saturdays. The the Mac plays on Thursdays, you know, but eh, I don't know. You play ball state. Who cares? I I'm just not uh, I'm not going to squabble with it, but. If it was a, a real non-conference game, if Tennessee was playing Pittsburgh in that opening game, I would want that to be on a Saturday, I think. Because um, it's just bigger and deserves it, I guess. <laughs> Where eh, you're playing Ball State. Who really cares? Let, and let the, uh, let Tennessee out of classes that day. Uh, I remember that being a big thing with the Appalachian State uh, Thursday night game. Tennessee oh, let yeah. out. I, I remember I wrote a column. The USA Today, somebody, it was Nancy Armour at USA Today. She wrote a column that was like, it's clear Tennessee doesn't, it's, it was something, because it was when Tennessee was going through the lawsuit too, and they, she was like, Tennessee doesn't care about women or education. Like, that was like her take. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. she was like, uh, you know, Tennessee not ha- canceling classes on Thursday for a football game just shows how much they care about education. I remember I like wrote a column and I was like, Nancy, shut it. You're annoying and nobody cares. <laughs> you know, and just writing something like that. And I believe I'm blocked by her still on, on Twitter. Um, I, I think it's fun. You know, you get, you get off work and you got a college football mm-hmm. game to do. Yeah, I'm the same it's, way. It's great. So I think, I mean, I do, I, I'm, I'm, writing different things and doing social media stuff during the game. So I'm, I'm like you, I'm, it gives me that Saturday to, to not have to worry about doing that kind of stuff. It's really probably my last Saturday to maybe go out to a bar and watch a couple of games yeah. uh, that, that don't involve Tennessee. So you kind of take advantage of that before NFL and college season gets going. But aside from that, like you said, everybody's watching Tennessee should obviously win that game pretty easily. So you're going to have a lot of people tuning into that game and they're going to see Tennessee's offense scoring a lot of points. They're going to see wide Cedric Tillman streaking down the field for a long touchdown. Jalen Hyatt just blazing past defenders. All of that's going to be on a national platform. So I think that's really cool. And I think that, I mean, obviously that's probably why Tennessee wanted that game on a Thursday night, especially early in the Josh Heupel era. But I'm like you, the anticipation that's going to build all day Thursday and you're the first one and you, and you, get to sit down Thursday night and watch that and nothing but that. Yeah, that's going to be really fun. Uh, if even if it was Pittsburgh, I think I'd still be into it. Like at, just, just the first game. I don't, I don't like it later in the season. Um, just the first game. The only way I would kind of feel differently is maybe if it was a Saturday night game, which seemingly never happens for Tennessee early in the season, this probably would have been a noon Saturday game, which I, don't like except for work purposes because you get it out of the way 
and and kind of have the rest of the day. But otherwise, I I, I enjoy it. Look forward to it on on that Thursday night. Yeah, I and I'm so excited. It's so close. I got. I'm I'm kind of filling my time in between. I got a big. This is not for anyone to like. So I actually don't like birthdays. My birthday is this weekend. Um, don't don't even tell me happy birthday. Just, so it's your birthday week. Is that what you're saying? You're, yes, please. Whatever. Every single day. Month are those people that that want to oh, celebrate dude. the whole month? My wife's like that. She's she's like, well, it's my birthday month. We're gonna, we have to go and. We're Lots of go. other people's birthday months too. Yeah, um, I guess yeah, it's my birthday month. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Send me gifts and and uh, well wishes on Twitter if you feel like it. But yeah, I, I like I got a trip to Nashville. It's gonna be fun, and it's kind of the last hurrah. Um, gonna go on the pedal taverns and the party buses and really do it up big, uh, bachelorette style. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, matching um, t-shirts and yeah oh for sure yeah me and my wife and matching tie-dye t-shirts happy birthday to me I, i'm gonna wear a sash that says <laughs> birthday king or yeah. whatever yes <laughs> you know you fit do right it. in on yeah, broadway gonna do it right uh but yeah that's my final my final hurrah and then every basically every saturday from then out uh is well i guess thursday first and then every saturday from then on and and uh we'll say this so, so i think um, if, uh, let me check the calendar to make sure I'm not sure how many people are listening at this point, this late into the show, but we'll still say it. Um, looking at the calendar, it would be, yes. So this coming Monday, I think Zach, we're going to try our first live stream of, uh, of the show. It's the week before the, the week and then the week of Tennessee's first football game. Uh, we're going to, uh, we're going to do Monday and Friday. So Monday to preview the game and the Friday following, and we're definitely not doing it that Friday so that we don't have to work on Monday. That's definitely not why don't you dare accuse us of that. <laughs> we're definitely not doing that. Uh, but we're going to, we're going to have the game uh, game review the next day. And of course on game day, I'll be doing my show with Jonathan Crompton. So tune into that too, uh, on all of this, all of the ways that A to Z streams, YouTube, uh, Twitch, um, I guess they don't do Twitter anymore. We don't do Twitter streams, but I think yeah. Twitter does has weird, yeah, things on that where some people can live stream, some people can't. I know Austin's kind of been battling that for quite some time now, and Twitter doesn't generally help you at all. I don't know that there's real people that even work there. They might all be robots because I don't <laughs> think you can actually get a hold of a person. There's nowhere to drive. There's nowhere to call. It's just you're you're out of luck. I have seen the last time I was in San Francisco, we went by uh, the Twitter headquarters. They do have a building down there. Um, is there anyone in it? Who knows? I, I'm genuinely not sure. It may be the robots <laughs> that you're talking about yeah. uh, that's in there. Um, but yeah. Oh, Facebook. That's the one I forgot. Facebook's like yeah, the biggest a big one. one. Yeah. Yeah. That's usually where we get the most viewers outside of YouTube. So um, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, tune in for our live stream. And the game day live stream that I do with Jonathan Crompton. That is uh, that A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. Uh, and yeah, just YouTube type in A to Z Sports. Find it there. And at Charlie School Burris, at Zach TNT. Bloody, bloody, blah. You know where to find us. You're already here. Charlie Burris, Zach Reagan. Thanks so much for watching. And we'll talk to y'all next week. See you guys later. <laughs>